hello and welcome. This is the Real Football Podcast. I'm your host, Lenny, aka Leandro. And let's get into it on today's episode. We're going to be speaking about some of the goings on in the Premier League, as well as I and I have promised quite profusely uh, that I am going to be watching Syria this season. And guess what? Your boy watched his first match day. It was match day three, I believe. Um, some really, really interesting ties. Going to be getting into that. But first things first, touching off in my favorite league, the best league in the world, the English Premier League, starting with something that is as equally surprising as it is predictable. Chelsea Football Club losing at Stamford Bridge up against Nottingham Forest. Really, really poor result for them. Anthony Alanga coming in from Manchester United. He's deemed not good enough for them. He comes in and he scores an absolute beauty to win the game 1-0. Apparently, Nottingham Forest were reasonably comfortable. I didn't catch this game. I just caught the highlights. And Chelsea, as per usual, like clockwork, being inconsistent and chaotic that's just the nature of the game potch has his hands full trying to get these guys back on track he did come out uh this is during i am recording during the international break so he is still bullish on the season i have no idea why he would be bullish especially essentially creating a uh, uh not creating but putting together a squad in 18 months, a completely new squad in 18 months. You've gotten rid of the majority of your stalwarts in that team who had, I mean, from the few who had, who were still around when they did win the league under Conte, won a couple of cups, a couple of um, finals, obviously the Champions League with uh, the Kai Havertz and the the Timo Werners and the N'Golo Kantes. Uh, Majority of that team is gone now. Just ridiculousness. I mean, I call them Chaos FC for a reason. Expect more results like this going forward, but also expect them to, every once in a while, just really pull it together, put put together a fantastic performance and beat a big team. I wouldn't be surprised if they were to randomly turn up at maybe not the Etihad, but maybe the Emirates or something and just pull off a upset victory something like that. I mean, Chelsea are going to be ridiculous to see this season. They probably aren't a good watch. They don't play very attractive football at the moment. They will get better with that if Poch is given time. If he is not given time, they're going to it's just going to be the same old mess. Considering that they only win so far in the first four games was against Luton Town, who everyone pretty much thinks is gone anyways. I think they're gone. Uh, Spoo thinks they're gone. Check out last last uh, the most pre- recent episode. Um, we did do a breakdown of our predictions. Uh, I think Chelsea, there's a lot to prove. There's a lot to prove. They spent over a billion. They did bring in this young lad from Manchester City who hasn't played too many games, Cole Palmer, for 40 million pounds. Chelsea are all over the show. Now it's down to Poch. And I think if if he's struggling come February, March, and they're languishing around 7th or 8th or some shit like that, he, he might be he might be on the chopping block and if they get rid of him i have no idea what they're going to do going forward uh, 
But obviously, that's that's months away. That's a long, long time away. They're talking about 2024. That, that's a while away. But expect chaos from Chaos FC. I mean, it's in the name. Moving forward, just very, very quickly, Spurs up against Burnley. Spurs are continuing to roll under Ange. Postacoglu doing really well. They won 5-2 up against Burnley. A Burnley side who were talked about as though they were Premier League ready immediately. They haven't shown it yet. They've been battered a couple of times. Uh, apparently, they play quite naive football. I haven't seen them play yet. They did manage to score two goals, but uh, James Madison, who I have given a shout out, uh, I've been I was wrong about him. He's he's looked phenomenal. Him, he was at the center of things. He's going to be a key cog in the Pastor Coglu system. Uh, yes, a nice little play on words there, uh, unintentional. <laughs> uh, and Son back from the dead because he was absolutely awful last season. Back from the dead, scoring a hat trick. A Hattie to down Burnley there on 10 points. Really, really good start for them, especially that United win. A bit of a statement that, hey, uh, Ange Ball can be successful. I, I still have big, big, big question marks about these guys, especially defensively. And they haven't played. None of their other results outside of the United game were against top, top oppositions. So I'd like to see the, how they play against a at Brighton, how they play against a, obviously the the big big boys, the Arsenal's, the uh, Man City's, the Liverpool's is going to be interesting to see uh, if they are going to s- play that ridiculously high line as well. We'll see. Uh, and my last Premier League game that I'm going to get onto here, and then I'm going to visit the Peninsula, uh, is Brighton up against Newcastle. Now Newcastle here this is newcastle going into a fresh season they finished top four for the first time in 20 years uh since the days of um, who's this uh so bobby robson since the days of him they finished top four eddie howe is the guy so on and so forth and now going into the season there's a lot of hype there's a lot of buzz they bring in sandra tonali from ac milan and they lost another game. They obviously lost last minute against us. Uh, you know what? Liverpool will do Liverpool things from time to time. You just have to take that out. But they, they went to the Amex. And the Amex is one of the most difficult stadiums to play in England. It's been that way for a while. Brighton are extremely, extremely confident. They play really, really good football. Some of the highest quality football on display week in, week out. Probably in Europe, they they play phenomenal football in terms of not necessarily that they have superstar players, but the the quality of football, the passing um, patterns that they create, the positioning, the the tactical nous of that team, or just the free flowing football that they play is fantastic. That's why they've gone from coming up as a small club, Brighton and Hove Albion, and then they've essentially established themselves as a top 10 team, and they finished in the Europa spots last season, and you wouldn't want to bet against them. Obviously, their model is to sell players um, on for massive profits. Caicedo, McAllister came to us. 
and before that was Eve Basuma, uh, Kukarella as well. So they, they, and they've managed to continually replenish. I'm sure at a certain point they they want to stop doing that. But I believe Tony Bloom is his name, the owner of Brighton, doing a phenomenal job. And they took Newcastle out back and they gave them an old school ass whooping. They they dominated this game from start to finish. Billy Gilmore in the middle of the park, a lad from Chelsea. Chelsea gave him up for very, very little. Uh, he was phenomenal. <laughs> he was phenomenal while he ran the show. Um, he seems like a short dude, but wow, his passing was fantastic. He completely dominated the much-vaunted uh, Newcastle midfield. Uh, Evan Ferguson, shout-out to you, 18 years old. He's he, he was phenomenal. He was fantastic. He looks like a big lad. Um, he might just be the next breakout superstar. He's the first teenager since, uh, I believe, Michael Owen, Robbie Fowler, and someone else to score a hat-trick at the age of 18 or younger. And he he was on fire. He scored a hat-trick, like I said. An absolute peach from outside of the box was the best of the three. Uh, just, just another diamond <laughs> that Brighton have found. And I wouldn't be surprised if he were to go to an Arsenal, a Man United... A Chelsea in like two or three years for a big, big, big fee. Uh, he, he looks like he could be an absolute superstar one day. We'll see what happens with that. Um, yeah, we're definitely going to watch a lot more of him. Uh, I'd like to see how Ansu Fati fits into the system because Jao Pedro played as a 10 and he was phenomenal. He was fantastic as a 10. His link up play was great. Uh, Matoma doing Matoma things. Uh, he has the guy has a degree in dribbling, so you you know what to expect from him, and he's an absolute beast when it comes to it. He earned that degree for sure, for sure. Uh, just really, really good display from Brighton, as you would expect. And they roll on Newcastle, losing three out of their first four games. That's an awful start. Uh, Eddie Howe has to lift these guys up, um, and it's the fixtures aren't going to get easier. They're gonna they're in the Champions League group of death. They have to play PSG. They have to play Dortmund. Those those games are going to sap them. They are not used to playing in midweek. I don't think they have the squad to uh, navigate those waters really well. And if they were to somehow shit, because they really could sh somehow shit their shit house their way into your Europa League spot, how would that affect them as well going forward? We'll see what happens. I do think they'll pick up their form. Of course, they've played some really tough games. They had to play Liverpool. They played Man City. They went to the Amex. Those are some tough games. So they it will get a bit easier. But it, it really really poor start. And like I've said, like I've promised, it's time to move over to the peninsula, the home of the Seven Sisters. And there's there's a couple of games, there are two games in particular between four of those Seven Sisters. Milan versus Roma was the first game that I caught, first Serie A, regular sieges, league game that I've caught in a little while. Um, and Milan... They just walked all over Roma here. This, this, it wasn't much of a contest at all. Milan played much better football. They had the better chances. They were 
just completely dominant. They they completely walked all over Roma. Roma looked really poor. They sat back really deep. I don't know if Jose Mourinho plays this way all the time, but uh, he clearly didn't have the confidence in his team to go out and play Milan uh, stride for stride. They they decided to sit back, stay compact, and it, it just didn't help them. The main thing really was that uh, Milan got that early penalty. That early penalty, Giroud knocked, knocked that in. And from there, especially if you're playing deep and you're trying to hold on for a result, this was also at the Olimpico. So Roma were at home and they played extremely negatively. They barely went past the halfway line in the first half. It was uh, just somewhat irritating of a watch. Um, and I'll, I'll mention the second game in a few as to why that was a really, really poor game to watch. Uh, just really negative football all around from Roma, um, which is disappointing because they were playing at home. Uh, Rafael Liao and Pulisic, they were really, really good. Um, Teo Hernandez, one of the best left-backs in the world, I believe, phenomenal. His link-up play with Rafael Liao is the bedrock with which Milan won the league two seasons ago. They will be key for Milan's title charge this season. Milan should find themselves in the title race. They are, uh, I believe they're perfect right now. They've won three for three. Uh, and whew, there's a massive game coming up for them. Soon they play into this coming weekend. Massive, massive derby. Oh, can't wait for it. Milan derby. Uh, qu I'm quite excited for that one. Um, but yeah, Loftus-Cheek as well. Played really well from midfield. Just uh, sometimes... These sorts of attributes where that you find in certain leagues that are super common in one league but aren't as common in another league and just having that edge over certain over the majority of players there it'll really really shine through uh, with loftus cheek i think that was his physicality in this game particularly he influenced it quite well with his physicality with his um running power as well as his technique he, he's decent technically but that's not he didn't he doesn't stand out technically in syria but his his physicality which you find quite common in the premier league is not as common here in italy so he he had a really good game uh, I feel as though he might just abuse <laughs> those uh, attributes so that he can really, really um, stamp his authority on that Milan midfield and stake a claim in a, a historically fantastic team. Uh, Rafael Liao scored the second, so Giroud scored the penalty to open it. Rafael Liao scored a second great volley. Um, he was essentially falling down, and he still manages to get the ball on target. Great goal. Milan were cruising absolutely cruising they they had no worries in the world looked like a sunday league game just really really chilled uh eventually tomori when tomori's center back he gets a red card really 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 poor challenge that he shouldn't be making uh when your team is 2-0 up at the olympico it gave roma a second wind a bit of a boost they started to be more aggressive and more expansive in their play however it's it's it was a little bit too late too little too late spinazzola did get 
a goal back in the 92nd minute, but from there, and it it was a deflection. So it wasn't even as though Roma could carve up a 10-man Milan team. Just really poor performance from them. Um, I, I might just take them off my potential watch list. Milan, definitely, they, they played a lot better than I thought they would, especially Pulisic. Um, in his his in how that Rafael Liao and and Teo Hernandez connection, I think that is that is a really really good that that gives me vibes of uh, Andy Andy Robertson and Sadio Mane kind of thing. Um, even though somewhat different players, but wow, that that connection is really 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 good. About as good as you get in world football, to be honest. Um, over to. Naples, seeing the the reigning champions up against Lazio, who finished second last season. So it was last season's number one and number two. Really good game. Now this, Roma played extremely poorly. They played very defensively, very negative football. They didn't come out and play. Lazio did essentially the opposite. A very high intensity game. It felt as though it you were watching two of the best teams in the country. Uh, Lazio were fantastic. They were a lot better than I thought they would be. Napoli also. I mean, Napoli were the better team for the majority of this game. However, the way things went, they they just they they lost the game essentially. <laughs> uh, but. Kravitzkelia, phenomenal player. Oh my goodness, what a player. Uh, Osimhen, didn't, he didn't get too many great opportunities here. However, he is still a deadly striker. I think he had one really, really good opportunity that he missed. Um, but most players, uh, I don't think he's in that category just yet, whereby if you if you get one chance, you get one goal. That That's, that's a very, very rare category very very high standard even the uh erling Haaland's of the world one of the most deadly strikers on the planet he misses sitters from time to time uh, it happens to all of them and so uh the the flow of the game went something like uh, luis alberto um who failed at liverpool see this is one of those players whereby some of his attributes he came from uh, the spanish from la liga Really, really technically gifted player. However, going to the Premier League where the physicality, the the strength, the those physical demands are a little bit higher. He struggled at Liverpool. He never really got enough game time. I guess he, whatever happened there, happened there. He moved around a little bit. He's found his home in Lazio and he looked fantastic he he was one of Lazio's better players every time Lazio break, broke forward he was a key cog there pulling the strings passing uh laying the ball off just just an absolute fantastic display from him in in what you would call essentially a modern number number 10 just really really good game from him overall he had a gorgeous little flick at the at the near post to open the scoring uh, if I'm if I'm the keeper there, I'm really touched. I'm I'm so sad. I'm so <laughs> sad uh, that that got scored. But it's one of those one of those for the highlight reel. Just just gorgeous little bit of technique there. Uh, Zielinski scored the, from a deflected shot uh, to level the scores soon after that. So that was pretty soon after that. Um, and 
Then Kamada scored a, a, a beautiful low drive. Um, he comes from Frankfurt. He played in that Europa League team, Europa League winning team um, for Frankfurt. And he got picked up by Lazio. Just really, really good finish. Uh, I think he finished it between one of the players' legs and he means that. Uh, that oh man, just really, really good goal. Um, and from there, Napoli just couldn't. They had a, a few good opportunities. They scored an offside goal, um, or they had a great, a few great opportunities from an offside situation and couldn't make it count. Um, and Ganduzi came on and he's, he scored, but he put the ball in the back of the net, but it was offside anyways. Um, that kind of rounded off out the game Lazio had it in the bag they played lights out they played as though they could be champions however um the issue with Lazio is that they're just never consistent they they can turn it on like this and if they can really really turn it on because they they dominated Napoli for large spells of this game um in terms of how well maybe not necessarily dominated, but they looked somewhat comfortable in a lot of a lot of exchanges, whereby you would think that the reigning champions would would step up. Then they matched Napoli's intensity. Napoli, one of the most intense teams in in Europe last season, they were fantastic. Uh, they and usually with great teams or great uh, great teams in this era you have to be intense there is no more uh passengers on your team you can't really just just stroll about the park and win games like that and win leagues it, it doesn't work like that anymore um and so to see Lazio put in a performance like that at in Naples at the day Diego Maradona Stadium just fantastic stuff fantastic stuff uh i'd like to watch them more because i'm pretty sure they probably they probably turn in a few stinkers from time to time that's why they were never truly or although napoli did were essentially champions after 25 match game match days uh last season so i can't necessarily speak too much to that but let's see if they can sustain a title challenge I know Milan will be in and around it. I know Inter, who won 4-0 um, in the most recent game, they will be in and amongst it. Uh, it. Syria always has been giving up fantastic title races recently, the past couple of seasons since the Juventus reign of terror ended. Uh, Lazio might just throw their hat in there. I mean, if if you're coming from their from their perspective, they're back in the Champions League for the first time in a long time. They finished second last season, and they've just gone to the home of the champions and won. I can't say comfortably, but they won well. So there's reason for confidence there and who knows if 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 Lazio can really get their shit together and challenge Roma will get their shit together and challenge just just the way it works in Rome so we'll see what happens with that I'm going to keep an eye on them Napoli and Lazio uh, they both play really really attractive football I want to see if this Lazio team can be consistent or not uh, and my final game and a little bit of news uh, I checked out the Juventus versus Empoli game. Juventus just completely dominated this game. It wasn't too much of a competition. Uh, Empoli didn't really 
threaten them. Um, Danilo scored, I believe, in the first half. And from there, Juve kind of cruised. They missed a few good opportunities. But uh, Chiesa eventually finished the game off 2-0, game over. Big news coming from, not necessarily coming from Juventus with Italy, but a player that most of you are familiar with, Paul Pogba. Pog Beasy, the guy who won four Serie A t- titles with Juventus back in the day. He, <laughs> just such a strange career this guy has had. He tested positive after this game for testosterone. Testosterone, um, I'm pretty sure most of you who from a sporting background would know that that's essentially steroids. Those are anabolic steroids. Testosterone is the when you do have that um that's synthetic testosterone that's steroids basically pretty much um so you got caught juicing paul pogba uh world cup champion got caught juicing ridiculous stuff ridiculous stuff the guy's been injured almost perpetually for about two seasons now um his time at, at united he was injured half the time uh just really really weird career let's 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 take a walk down memory lane here with this guy paul pogba uh he came up under sir alex ferguson so he must have been one of the last prospects that uh, sir alex was looking at at the time he was on the fringes of the united team he came through their academy he wasn't getting the game time that he wanted. He, you know, young Paul Pogba, he thought he was the best midfielder in the world. And he decides to leave United on a free to go to Juventus. He, not long after that, he breaks into the Juventus team and they form one of the best midfields in the world with Arturo Vidal, Andrea Pirlo, uh, Paul Pogba and Marquisio. Uh, Marquisio and Paul Pogba would... Um, swap in and out of the team phenomenal he was fantastic there he was looking like one of the best young midfielders in the world he looked as though he w- he could become the best midfielder in the world very very similar to jude bellingham um at dortmund where jude looked like the absolute this absolute phenomenal prospect uh coming through there uh who looked like he could become the best midfielder in the world he's been in, he's taking la liga uh by the scruff of its neck right now he's fantastic he's he's leading a real madrid team um at the moment however paul pogba was doing he wasn't scoring a tremendous amount of goals but he he had some highlights Oh my goodness gracious me. And he was really, really good. His general play was fantastic. And it was mostly fantastic. Most of the uh, United supporters found out as time went on was that he was fantastic because he had two world-class midfielders next to him. At no point when he went to Manchester United did he have that. So he goes to Serie A. He wins a couple of titles with Juventus. This was during Juventus's reign of terror. So if you wanted a free Serie A medal, you could go to Juventus and you would have it guaranteed. Playing next to an absolute legend in the game in Andrea Pirlo, as well as guys like Bonucci, uh, uh, Chiellini, Buffon, uh, a lot of phenomenal players, Carlos Tevez, uh, soon after that, just great stuff. 
so he then United come back in. United needed a, a great midfielder. They had been crying out for a great midfielder since Michael Carrick left the team. Uh, and they come in for for Paul Pogba. I mean, think about it. United let this kid go for free. Then they come in with a world record fee at the time to get him back. Pog back. Ah. <laughs> uh-huh. He goes to United, it's looking all hunky-dory. And then it doesn't. It no longer looks hunky-dory. The curse with United, I I think it kind of starts with him. Paul Pogba is probably the main guy. I guess Di Maria a little bit before that. But Paul Pogba is the main guy. He he would be the quintessential Man United transfer in the post-Sir Alex Ferguson era in which they've been buying high-profile players I mean, looking at you, Jaden Sancho, looking at you, Anthony, looking at you, Lukaku, looking at uh, Anthony Martial, just so many really expensive. I mean, Harry Maguire costs more than Virgil van Dijk. Just so many really, really poor, uber marketable signings. And Pogba was the quintessential one. He must have been the crown and the jewel in what proved to be a really poor uh, transfer policy which is still proving to be a really poor transfer policy. So he goes to United for a world record fee. He plays well from time to time, but he's injured half the time. He did win a couple of trophies under Jose Mourinho. They did finish second. The United supporters never loved him. Uh, they never loved him. Uh, and he... <laughs> I felt for the guy because I really, really wanted him to come to Liverpool. I thought he was the exact kind of player that we needed. This was before uh, we got rid of Emery Chan and we brought in Jeannie Wijnaldum and Fabinho and Henderson really, really stepped up to the plate. So Paul Pogba was one of the biggest prospects in the world. He goes to United, things just don't work out. And now... He's gone back to Juventus. He was injured essentially all of last season. He went back to Juventus for free. <laughs> wow. Pog back too. Oh my goodness gracious me. And then, so last season was his first season back at Juventus. He was injured basically all season. He didn't play, didn't play in the World Cup, nothing. I think he might have played, what, one or two games towards the end of the season. Uh, this time around we're looking at okay this guy's back this could be it boom juicing caught juicing testing positive there is never not a scandal in italy never ever not a scandal in italy uh and this kind of means that uh, i believe i've seen i've seen it thrown around on the internet uh but we'll we'll get a more a more official uh word at at a certain point in the future very very soon but he could be banned for four years if he's banned for four years that's it that's it that's his career done and now during his time at united yes he did go on he played a key role in that france team next to ngolo kante next to blaise Matuidi, um killian Mbappe, griezmann Giroud. fantastic team they won the world cup obviously so he will always go down as a legend for doing that, for playing a really, really good tournament. However, 
he never became the best midfielder in the world, unfortunately for him. And if this this ban is lengthy, considering his injury history, Juventus might just cut him. And that'll probably be that. And that'll be the story of Pogbeasy. Ain't that a shame? In any case, ladies and gentlemen, days and thems, that brings us to the conclusion of this episode. I hope you had a magnificent one. I hope you have a magnificent day whenever this podcast reaches your ears. And take care.